My name is Nick Vitato, and I serve on the board of Chair City and have been a part of the church since before you began. I also work with our family of churches of the Assemblies of God in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, about 190 churches. And my primary role is uh, working with pastors and leaders and developing them and pouring my life into them. Uh, but this is, a, this is a, like a second home to me, and so I am really honored, honored to be here. So I apologize for the the late introduction, as you're saying, I think I went to the wrong place. I don't know that guy. <laughs> What's he doing up front there? All right. Well, we're doing the Lord's Prayer. Hmm. I didn't know that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> just, just kidding. You know, I, um, I want to fix the world. And I think you do too. I... I, like you, um, see everything that goes on close to me and far from me. Whether it's terrible racial tension, whether it's terrorism, whether it's disease, whether it's national disasters, whether it's close to me, um, my neighborhood, my home, my extended family, I want to fix the world. I don't take pleasure in pain. I don't take pleasure in, in, in people trying to do right and end up doing wrong or people bent on doing wrong and succeeding. I, I want to fix that. And so do you. I... I hate addiction and what it does to people. I hate divorce and what it does, kind of the open-ending thing that goes on and on. And, and I think God does too. But this is where we're all at. And all, I hate cancer and what it does to people I care about and you care about. I want to fix it all. And I think you do too. But I can't. It's overwhelming to me sometimes. Sometimes I just, I, I want to ignore. Sometimes I, I just want to say, let me, let me just. Whether it's the other side of the globe or whether it's the other side of my kitchen table. I want to fix it. And I think hardwired in all of us is wanting to fix it. And I think for all of us, we don't succeed to the level that we would want to. I mean, each of you know what it is to, to see injustice, whether it's on the playground or the government or in your workplace. You know what unfairness looks like and what it feels like and you want to fix it. And you try to fix it. And sometimes you stick your toe in something and, and wish you didn't fix, step in. <laughs> How many of you have said, I was just trying to help? And it seems to go... Maybe not the way you want it to.
Each of us know what it is to see needs and feel helpless. Whether that's <clears throat> starvation, whether that's refugees, whether that's a hurricane, whether that's people fighting in the streets or a terrorist bomb. Here's my question for you, which I think you should always ask. And it's a simple question. <clears throat> so what? <laughs> so what if, if we want to fix it and we can't? Well, we're in this series. And kind of the, the genesis of this example that Jesus gave on how to pray is in a, a different recollection of the Jesus story. In the book of John, they caught Jesus praying. They snuck up on him. And they said to him, teach us how to pray. And what last week and this week and the next few weeks we're looking at is, is the master saying, here's how you pray. In fact, in a couple sentences before the sentences we're going to focus on, there's a definitive statement. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Can't get more direct than that. And as each week you dig in to one or two phrases, one or two pieces of this amazing example of prayer, my hope and Pastor Dave's hope is that you drill down and, and you say, oh yeah, that makes, makes more sense. Some of you are like me. You pray this prayer every week in church to the point you could probably pray through the entire prayer while thinking about what you were going to eat for lunch <laughs> because it's so familiar. And when things become so familiar, they lose their grip on us. And sometimes we have to stop and step back and drill down and say, what does this mean for us? Now, fortunately, I was unable to meet every one of you before we started today. And, and fortunately, I don't know what's going on in each of your life. I say fortunately because I would overwhelm me. But there may be some of you who have not made a decision to follow Christ yet. And you are, you're in a great spot. Because what you get to do in these weeks is look at what was really important to Jesus. Therefore, what's really important to God Therefore, what it means to be a Christian. And so you can kind of step back. Say, aha. So these are what these is important to Christ followers. Now, or maybe your question is, what is prayer? And why does it matter? And is it even helpful? I mean, is it, is it just kind of, where do you pray? Is it kind of go in the ceiling? Does it go nowhere? Or I pray and something happens, or I don't pray, or people tell me they're praying for me. I don't know what that means. The people pray, and, and they pray for the sick, and they still die, and they pray for other sick people, and they live. What, what is prayer? If you have those questions, you're in a great spot. 
Ha. Still getting used to this. It's nice up here. <laughs> it's kind of like a new car, you know, when you get in, you stop and kind of look around and say, what does this button do? <laughs> you know? Ah, this is great. Let's look at the prayer. I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll read it to you. You can listen. Give us today our daily bread. Oh. Oh, I went to the wrong place, didn't I? <laughs> See? <laughs> I know the prayer starts with our Father. <laughs> In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one. The, the prayer is recorded in a number of different spots in the New Testament and of course there are a number of different translations but the, the heart and, and soul of the prayer are captured in these verses in Matthew 6 verses 9 through 13. But we're going to look at one phrase. And here it is. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's let that sink in a minute. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your we know that the, sermon, the prayer started with our Father, so we know the your is Father. God, your kingdom come. A kingdom is the reign of the king, the desires of the king, the fruits of the king, the benefits of the power of the king, a kingdom, your kingdom come. The story of God that we find in, in the Bible says that God establishes his kingdom. In fact, the Old Testament prophets would point way ahead, say there's going to be a day when the kingdom will be established. Now, in Far East times and Near East times, they understood that concept more because they knew when a king came to town, everything changes. When a king was overthrown, everything changes. They didn't have quite as stable of government as you and I are more familiar with. But they understood that one day there would be an unshakable kingdom kingdom no other kings would compare no other kingdoms would compare your kingdom and then this last word come be established happen the bible is full of references that that There'll be this second coming and this establishing of the kingdom. In fact, when you go from 
Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and to Revelation, we'll see 1,845 times of this idea of establishing the kingdom, the coming of God. There's only one other theme in Scripture that gets more ink, and that's faith. They work very close together. Your, Father God, kingdom, reign and rule, come. Jesus is the one who's talking. Jesus is telling us how to pray. Jesus shows up on the planet, which is an amazing thing. And he makes this pronouncement. The kingdom of God is here. <laughs> People who since childhood have longed for the Savior had a mixed response. Some overwhelmingly celebrated and some said, no way. But today, as we sit and stand here, we have to recognize that Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. Now, it's begun. The foundation is laid. And then Jesus takes a whole lot of time talking about the kingdom of God. I don't know about you. Here's what I know about me. I would rather have a bullet point list of what the kingdom is. I, I like the Constitution. I work with many organizations and, and I know their bylaws. Here's what it is. Jesus didn't do that. You know what he did? He told some stories. He said, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. It's, it's like a seed that's sown in a field. The kingdom of God is, is like a mustard seed and then one day it'll grow up and be giant. The kingdom of God is like yeast that disappears in a, in a loaf of bread but makes it grow. The kingdom of God is, is a treasure. And he just tells these masterful stories. But then... He goes further, and he, he makes some very declarative statements. If you're wondering what the kingdom of God is like, let me tell you a few things. He said, number one, the kingdom is very difficult for rich people to get in. <laughs> and by saying that, he said, you've got to be careful where your values are. Doesn't mean money's bad and doesn't mean God can use people who he's gifted to accumulate a lot of money to advance the kingdom. But you got to be careful because that, that money 
can pull you from the kingdom. It's hard. It's not impossible, but it's harder. He said the kingdom of God is is most best received by little children who don't have all their agendas and haven't figured everything out, but they just open hand, and you know how a child will come to you. Open with their arms. The kingdom of God is sometimes deceptive. Some people will appear to be part of the kingdom and say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, nope, you're not in. Jesus told us a lot about the kingdom. He said the kingdom is so important that you need to seek the kingdom first and everything else second, or third or fourth or fifth. He said, in fact, he said that if, if your eyes get you in so much trouble that you miss the kingdom, or if your hand gets you in so much trouble that you miss the kingdom, pluck out your eyes and cut off your hand. It's not the kind of altar call you want to have at church. <laughs> but he, he said it for profound, profound emphasis. So he says the kingdom of God is here. But then he tells us to pray the kingdom of God would come. That one day he will return and he will establish a kingdom that will go for eternity. We have an entire book in the Bible that describes this moment. When God establishes his kingdom. In fact, one of the New Testament writers, Paul, writes to a church in Corinth. And he said, the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to the Father. And he will reign. And all his enemies will be under his feet. So the kingdom of God is a bit confusing. Don't you agree? And you know what? You're in good company. John the Baptist sends a note over to Jesus. <laughs> is this it or not, man? I mean, he says, come on. I can't figure this out. You say you're the guy, but things are pretty bad. So you're in good company if this idea that the kingdom of God is here the kingdom of God is coming. Now, here's, here's how theologians have worked it out. You ready? The kingdom of God is already and not yet. The kingdom of God is already and not yet. And we live right in the tension. You know what? The Bible is full of those kind of tensions. You're saved by faith and, and works. Jesus was fully man and fully God. <laughs> it's, it's full of, a, of these tensions that we live in. But the kingdom of God is, is already not yet. 
Now, you're going to say, that, that's just, how do you do that? Let me give you one example how that happens. I'm not a, a great historian, but I do know, like, the big events that, you know, maybe there was a good movie about, all right? <laughs> so, I do know, on June 6, 1944, there was this battle called D-Day in World War II. And at the end of that day, everyone knew the Allied forces would win. There was no question on either side. Victory was assured. But between D-Day and V-Day, or V-E-Day, depending on which Wikipedia article you follow. V-Day was when the war was officially declared over. However, everyone knew at D-Day it was done. And it wasn't until 11 months later, May 8, 1945, the war ended. In fact, there were many skirmishes and many people died and many battles happened in here. But the result was never in question. Jesus died, went into the grave, and rose from the grave, defeated death, sin, and hell and declared the kingdom. For you and I, when Jesus rode from the dead, D-Day. When Jesus comes back, B-Day. Where do you and I live? The mess. <laughs> the mop-up crew. Pain. We still see all that stuff like suffering and cancer, brokenness and divorce, and we wrestle with it. But if you're a Christ follower, the result is not in doubt. There will be a day, and we pray it like this, your kingdom come, your will be done when you will put it in order. You could go home. That's really worth the price of admission right there. That doesn't get, it, doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that. Here's another challenge on the kingdom. It's an invisible kingdom. It's an invisible kingdom. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that said, He's made everything beautiful at the time. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. Every one of us have this sense. I believe every human has a sense about, I want to be more than what I can see. And then there's, there's this moment when Jesus is giving this sermon. And, and it really was a little confusing because he stood up in front of a bunch of people and he said, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they all said, we're out. <laughs> it's over, man. That's too much. 
I'm done. And then Jesus looks over at his disciples because nobody got it. He was talking about partaking in the kingdom of God or partaking in his life. He looks over at his disciples and, and they must have had the same look on their face because he said to them, hey, you guys going to leave too? And what did they, I'll read it so I don't mess it up. Peter says this, Lord, where are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. How many times have I found myself there? How many times have things not worked out the way I wanted them to? How many times have I, I not seen what I wanted and God didn't act the way I wanted? How many times did I just say, but where am I going, man? You alone have the words of eternal life. This is an invisible kingdom. I mean, there's some other. I mean, Paul writes in the book in, in Rome, and he says, listen to this. He says, since creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature, listen to this phrase, must be clearly seen. Are they invisible or they must be clearly seen? His invisible qualities must be clearly seen. <laughs> okay. Invisible must be clearly seen. Okay. <laughs> Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says this. Listen, listen, listen. Fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Okay, everybody look at what is unseen right now. It's an invisible kingdom. And when we start building what we can see, we get real confused. So we fix our eyes. <laughs> Paul writes to the church in Corinth, or in, in, in um, Ephesus. I write also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You see, this morning... As the worship team began, see, you do this stuff. You do this fixing on the unseen. I saw you. I went in back to make sure you were all doing it. You started singing to an invisible God. You started, you started declaring and, and, and loving the invisible kingdom. You're crazy. It's an invisible kingdom, and it's already, but not yet. So what do we do with it? Jesus asks his followers to pray. Your kingdom come. The moment we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we place ourselves in that process. That we can, we can bring the kingdom. We didn't build the kingdom here in this building. This is just a building that houses the people of God. But when you go to work, you bring the kingdom. You know, I, I mean, there are some, 
when I first was in ministry, I worked with a pastor that was just amazing at hospital calls. I mean, he could walk into the room and bring calm and, and love and peace. I, here, here's me. If I get a call and I need to visit you in the hospital, I'm hoping you're asleep. <laughs> and I can leave a card so you know I was there. <laughs> but here's what I do know. When you walk into a, a hospital room, you bring the kingdom. When you, when you sit with your family in a celebrated moment, or how you bring the kingdom. In fact, Jesus said, thy kingdom come. We participate now, but we pray for that day when he sets everything in order, when there is no more death, when there is no more terrorism, when there is no more starvation, when there is no more racism, when there is no more injustice. There is to be a moment when he says, enough. Thy kingdom come. Already, but not yet. Invisible, but we can focus on it. <laughs> it's great. So we pray. Your kingdom come. One, uh, I can't think of his name, or I would give him credit. You know, a preacher's rule is the first two times you give him credit. But after that, it's all yours. <laughs> I think of his name. Anyway, he said this. He's a very good man, I'm sure. May what's up there come down here. When we pray that kingdom come, we're praying what's up there come down here. Your will be done. It's kind of, it's hope. When I go in a situation that I can't fix, I have to have hope. The hope is that I can bring something, and the other hope is that one day God will fix all. Hope is like kedging. And I may have mentioned this before because it's one of my favorite ideals personally. If you're a sailor and you hit a place where there is no wind, your boat just sits there. But you have to get somewhere. And there's this process called kedging, where you take a rope and an anchor in a, in a smaller boat with ro oars, and you, put, you tie the rope to the boat, and you, you put the anchor in the little boat, and you row out, and you drop the anchor, and then you go back and you just pull the rope. My anchor is securely buried into the kingdom of God that will come. And no matter what I see, I'm going to grab that rope and keep pulling toward that hope. Some of you may be in a place right now where you, it's an overwhelming difficulty. I encourage you to focus on what is unseen. I encourage you to pray thy kingdom come. Come to bring peace and comfort to this difficult situation. Come to bring resolve to this struggle. But also, your kingdom come to set everything in order again. So we pray. 
your kingdom come. Your will be done. We pray that the kingdom of God may expand it from heaven to earth and that his will will be done here just as it's done there. It's our hope that we could change everything right now. But we can't. And let me tell you something. You face difficulty and you're healed. At some point your body will break again. But if you give your life to Christ, you have all eternity. Already not yet. An invisible kingdom. D-Day, V-Day, messy. But God's in it. What does it look like? What does it look like when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done? I'm going to give you one illustration, then I'm going to have the worship team come back. There's a book called The Rise of Christianity where a sociologist reports about a, a season of time when the church was at its lowest, coming out of the dark ages. Before we understood what germs did, there were plagues, and oftentimes entire cities would be wiped out by a plague. In this book, the author records a particular plague about two-thirds of the city had died. Everyone, or was sick, was running out of the city. The Christians were passing them and going into the city to comfort those who were dying and to pray for them and to care for them. Many Christians died as a result. But you know why they did that? Don't you have to ask the why question? They did it because of that prayer. Your kingdom come. I'm going to bring your kingdom in hell on earth and bring peace. Your kingdom come. It doesn't matter if I die because this life is not all that I have. And it is reported that they would say on the bed of a dying person, this doesn't have to be it. There's a God who loves you. And that most horrific scene was seen as what turned the church that brought about one of the greatest growths in the history of Christianity. Why? Not because of self-preservation, but because the priority was the kingdom. God's kingdom, not their kingdom. Many of you understand this and live this life. But could you agree with me? Your kingdom come to Gardner and the surrounding areas. Your kingdom come 
to my family. Your kingdom come to my house. Your kingdom come to my world. If we pray it, and we understand what's up there needs to come down here, we can manage a life of great challenge. We all want to fix it, but we can't. And we shouldn't. But God can. And he will. Now or later, but he will. Understanding that, you will live the well-lived life. Now, some of you may have been in that category of observers. And, and you say, I don't, I, 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 I'd like that. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And I would encourage you to say, I want to be a part of that invisible kingdom that has power now and power then. And it's as simple as this. Lord Jesus, here's my life. I tried to manage it. I need you to manage it. I've managed within my own strength and my own personality, my own economic status, my own skill set, my own family influence, and, and now I want to turn it over. Say, here's my life. I want to be a part of that kingdom that's already established, but not yet. I'll be a part of that. If you want to do that, you can pray as I pray. The worship team come, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then we're going to sing a song and call it a day. God, we love you. Thank you for your kingdom. And we pray as you instructed us, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, those who would like to have citizenship in the kingdom, we just open up our hearts and say, Lord Jesus, here's our life. Take our life. We want to walk as a part of your kingdom. We give it to you. And Father, there's others here that we want the kingdom to come quick because life is really bad. And we pray your kingdom come. We pray that you would bring peace and comfort and healing and strength and wholeness right now. But we know that it is, there's more to come. And so I pray for peace. And I pray for hope. And I pray for strength. And God, we pray one more time that your kingdom would come. That your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been an honor to wrestle with this prayer with you.